Hey guys, welcome back to Applied Confusion. I am your host, Derek, and tonight we're going to be talking about the Trinity. And not the Trinity that you're probably thinking of if you're a Christian. We're going to look into this notion of a dark Trinity. And this is just going to be a, a, a part, like part one, if you will, as we're getting into this topic. Um, I decided that it would be important, you know, for me to be able to, as a believer, to be able to let you know that the things that are happening right now, that we're all sitting here scratching our heads and going, how has our world gone so much out of whack so quickly? And I'm here to let you know, it's not been quickly, but it has been planned. It has been Ever since the fall of Satan is to bring down humanity as a whole. And we have right now taking place in America. I am reading a book. It's called The Return of the Gods. And he talks about, and I probably will butcher his name, but his name is Jonathan Cain. I think C-A-H-N. If you've not read his book, gotten this book i highly i personally recommend it no they do not in any way shape form or fashion uh have anything to do with this channel with this podcast but it is a topic at which i have studied and as a minister as a man of god as as a scholar looking into the text and looking into the thing there was one thing that i, I i've always said and when I said this, a lot of times, I, you know, in the Christian community, they looked at me really crazy when I said that, yes, there are other gods. And that those other gods are still active today. And then when you have, you know, where you're taught that there's only one true God and Jesus Christ, that's like it. A lot of times we have just placed this thing of that all of these other gods were mankind's imagination. And that's the farthest thing from the truth. See, there's a reason why in the covenant, the Ten Commandments, God says, don't have any other gods for me. Which means in that time and today that there are other gods. Matter of fact, when you go into the book of Job and you right off the bat, you're seeing that there is the congregation, the sons of God. You also see where God uses the angels to be overseers over the 70 nations. You also see in the scripture where, you know, that we're seeing these other gods coming in and influencing the Israelites. And that's what I want to talk about right now, is the influence, the influence that these gods have. See, they're known to us as Christians as the little g-gods, but they exist. They are real, and they've been here. Matter of fact, we also know them as the fallen angels. If 
You've read the book of Enoch. You've recognized them as the watchers. You recognize that there has been a rebellion that whenever in in Satan, whenever iniquity was found within him because he became pride and prideful, that's where the saying comes from, before the fall is pride. But what if there's a dark trinity? Just like there is one in the Christian belief where you have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The three are one. Well, if you have that and you always know that the enemies always emulate or copy or literally steal because they can't create, even in their imagination, they can't create something new. They are limited on their ability to create and in doing so you see that there has been this seduction now we're looking at the world today and we're going wait a second why has this gotten so bad why are we having drag queens and having all these other things going to schools or going to the library why is it all of a sudden that this it's like has this always, you know, were we just blind to it? Were we lost to it? Um, the answer is no. We've all recognized this and that in a Christian nation, we have always, through our faith and through our following of the commandments, following the teachings of Jesus Christ, that these gods have been kept at bay. But when your leadership comes and says that we are no longer a Christian nation, when you go on and you acknowledge and give praise to a certain lifestyle that is contradictory to what the scripture is, then the nation itself is going to follow after that God. And as I was studying, one thing that would always come up is I would be told, that God had a wife. And I'm like, no, God didn't have a wife. But yet we have what's known as the Queen of Heaven. Now the Israelites did worship the Queen of Heaven, and that made God angry. You see this in Jeremiah. You see this where they're baking cakes, and the husbands know that they're doing it, and they don't stop them from doing it, even though they are the spiritual head of the household. So there's already this corruption through this feminine divinity, the being divine. And you see that there is uh, a type of perversion that comes with her. It, it, it's throughout the scriptures. It's, it's interesting because in all honesty, who, who she actually is the wife of is the deity known as Baal. And we'll get into that in, in, in later podcasts. But I want to let you know that the seductress, is, she's always been here. In the Hebrew, she was known as Asherah. And uh, yeah, Mesopotamia and other texts know her as Ishtar. And it's not all of a sudden that this depravity, this 
idea, this this new way of people viewing sex, all we're now seeing is whenever God lifts his grace and when you have no longer a praying nation, when you no longer have a strong Judeo-Christian values, when you no longer have this strong uh, faith in people praying for the nation, people living what the scripture says, not just going to a building and giving your offerings and seeing a couple of hymns, no, but actually living out what the gospel tells us to do. When you have that, all of a sudden things start falling apart when you don't. But let's understand about this, about this seductress, especially in America and the Western culture. Uh, all of a sudden, we came into what would be sex, drugs, and rock and roll. We have in the 1960s, and, and all, uh, you have that Ishtar, the queen of heaven, that she starts to really put her influence into the 1960s, really pushing the envelope in the 1960s, one in which you have literal drugs, sex, and music. These are three things that go along with her um, verbatim. I mean, it is like whenever you have the music and all this other stuff, it becomes the intoxication of the people. They become intoxicated over the rhythm that they're hearing within their ears, the drugs, the the alcohol. Well, it, it messes up their sensory where they can actually make rational decisions. And then from there, sex gets you into this, this mindset, this almost you know, um, the divine feeling as if your passions, everything is moving and, and your feeling and all this other stuff. These things intensifies these, these areas in your life that they sit there and if you give in to them, then you allow yourself to be manipulated, to be you know, go basically on what your feelings, not on what your rationality, not on your the spiritual side of following uh, the commandments, but now you're trying to experience things through sex and drugs and music and the rhythm. The other thing too that a lot of people, I mean, yeah, nineteen, uh, you had an article which I thought was interesting. An article by Life magazine, it was in 1969, the article identified the uh, three elements of the culture, the new sacraments, so to speak. You had the sex, drugs, rock and roll. You know, sexuality, intoxication, and substance, music. These are the three elements, the Ishtar, that she uses. She uses these, and she did this in the past. And she also uses mediums. And, and, and now more than ever, you've got all these ghost shows. And don't get me wrong, I've seen them. I've watched them. But you have now 
everywhere, where even now the Catholic Church is using medium, mediums to communicate with the spirits. And this is something that's really been running amok lately. And more and more in our culture is being transfixed on the supernatural enemy and in conversation with them. But with the, the sex revolution, you have pornography comes into the equation. You have adult magazines, adult clubs, adult movies, adult entertainment. All these things are gearing things up for people to be more influenced through sexuality. And then you have the fact of tempting, the tempting of her lovers, where she gives you a little taste and then all of a sudden you're like wrapped in. Because when you're watching pornography, a lot of people don't realize this, but watching pornography from poor man is just like a man that's sitting there doing cocaine. It puts them on the exact same high. And trust me, me being sex addict and dealing with that, it's very easy for us to sit there and say, oh, in our culture, this is tolerated. But all it ever does to yourself is degrade you, manip it manipulates you. It makes you, especially if you're a Christian and you do watch pornography or you enact those, those things, you have guilt afterwards. And in the world that we live in, we're told that those, that guilt, that um, warning, to you that, you know, this is not healthy. Well, we're supposed to ignore that and just do it anyway because it feels good. We have where she is the known, I mean, pornography uh, comes from the Greek word and from dealing with also prostitution. And she is the goddess of pornography. You also have this, this, a uh, way of seduction. Essentially, you know, you're still paying for the harlot because those things aren't truly free. You're putting money to those things in some shape, form, form or fashion. So in this way, you're giving a type of offering to this goddess. One of the gods and the dark gods they are coming and have already been here and have influenced our society in a way that true Christians have been asleep. See, what she does is, is that she slightly moves into your lives. And, and the way she did it in the ancient culture is through arts and showing statues and, uh, and, and naked statues. And then... They would have these orgies or these rituals. And in doing those rituals to honor her, you would have men that would dress up as women. And that they would be trying to become, uh, come to their divine feminine selves. I mean, it, it, she, Ishtar, was the goddess of what, we're, what we, we would call now. A, the trans, a transsexual. 
you would also have where they would mutilate their bodies so that they could reach this divine feminine and that they would do things to themselves to make them where they would feel closer to Ishtar. And it's one of the reasons why they would have to do the alcohol and the drugs and other things to numb the pain that they were about to put their bodies through. You know, I look at it and I am just caught, you know, really was like floored because, I mean, as soon as you accept a certain lifestyle, that is the final, that's the final thing. As soon as the uh, the uh, the spiritual and the the and the the physical side of a nation accepts a certain lifestyle that is contrary to a biblical marriage or a biblical relationship between a man and a woman, and they choose to acknowledge the other, that's the final step for her to put her strong, put her foot on that nation and really force her um, ideology, force her, her well, give her her honor and, and praise comes like a whirlwind after that is accepted. And isn't that how it's happened in America? I mean, the same thing that happened in Israel and with the Israelites. Um, uh, Whenever they would start honoring the Queen of Heaven, when they start allowing those things, you would have pornographic paintings and artworks everywhere, everywhere. Some, some now that you know you couldn't even show, even if you want to use it as a historical. Um, well, I'd say you wouldn't be able to, but the way the world is today, they probably wouldn't care, and they would let you show it to the kids anyway. This is the thing that happens is that the first step is to slowly infiltrate through pornography and idolatry and causing the traditional marriages to fail, such as we see in divorce. And then from there, as that part of that influence is coming and more pornography and more stuff that gets people tied up into this idea that that sex is for pleasure and not for um having children and and being a a thing that's between a husband and wife that that brings the two to one and they become one with each other now you're throwing in the midst of divorce and then they're going to marry another partner and when they marry another partner that could that's going to uh, bring into the adultery side of it, and it just starts to snowball from that on down. And then from there, we kind of make all these concessions. And then as that happens, and the influence is coming more and more, what she's waiting for is the acknowledgement. And that acknowledgement is is when you sit there and you reject what God calls marriage. You reject what Jesus calls marriage. And when you reject what Jesus teaches us, uh, what marriage is, is you reject it, then you've allowed Ishtar to sit here and take 
exactly the next move she needs is that now you've given her authority. So you've given this goddess, which is, in all honesty, I, I believe is a demonic spirit, an evil spirit, um, and that you give her the ability to now have full reign in your nation. And as soon as that happens, and she has full reign in the nation because the nation, through its leadership and through its spiritual, um, and it no longer no longer gives um, honor to the one true God, uh, Yahuwah, uh, Jesus Christ, starts giving this uh, a stronghold on the nation, and then she just starts pouring it all out there. She starts confusing the sex. Then what the point is, is not only just confusing the sex, but it's to sit there and give honor to what is considered perversion. By what the Bible says, the Bible says that men are not supposed to wear female clothing and women are not supposed to wear men's clothing. I mean, it's, it's clear with that in the scriptures that you need to understand that there's two and that each one has its um, own separate responsibilities and that you can't blend the line that males have a certain responsibility physically emotionally and spiritually the same thing happens with a woman she has certain roles that she's supposed to have and she attributes that she's supposed to only have and when you bring this confusion the next thing you're going to see is that it is and which we've already seen is then you focus on the children. The next thing she wants, the next thing after she has destroyed what the what uh, Yahuwah calls a um, a holy matrimony, after she has come in and has destroyed what is a holy matrimony to an unholy one, then she wants her children. The reason why she wants your children is so that if you can indoctrinate children to associate the blending and the confusion of the sexes, then you have a generation that will be absolutely confused, and in that confusion will deny, reject, and not accept the truth even when it's presented to them because they have been given this lie. They've been given this manipulation and in that manipulation, that becomes their truth and they're taught. It's why the scripture says, teach a child the way you should go and when they grow old, they will not depart from it. I mean, the Bible gets it. Jesus even says, uh, suffer not the little children prevent one of them to come to Jesus. It would be better for you to put a milestone around your neck and jump off a bridge. I mean, God knows the importance of children. It's why God is the only one that sits there and says, let a child keep their innocence. The only way you can come to the Father is through Jesus Christ, but you got to have a faith as a child. So if you can manipulate, confuse, and distort what would become the, a natural understanding for a child. And you're forcing them to accept 
these adult things is so that you raise them up in the way you think they should go and they won't depart from it. That works both ways. And the enemy knows that. It knows that if it can get the children, then it will have generations upon generations upon generations that will be under its rule, its authority. And then what happens is that God always ends up bringing judgment. He's done this to Israel. He's done this to Rome. Because by the time we get to this point, the whole point for the followings, to get us to this point, is to hurt God. That's it. That's the end game for them, is to hurt him. And the way to hurt him the most is by influencing us, manipulating us to accept their ways, which when you look and see their ways, do nothing but destroy, tear down, and make your body sick and dying. This is just part one about the Dark Trinity, and we haven't even covered the other two. And I'll get to some more of uh, these videos if you like them. Apparently, my baby Cringer, he likes it. And it's time for me to hang out with him. And as always, pay attention to your surroundings because you never know what lies around the corner. God bless. Have a good one.